With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and vendors there. Welcome to New York. Devil's State of Mind podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devil's fans? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. As always, thank you guys so very much for taking some time out of your day to check this episode out. I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. We always have exciting topics and a bunch of things to discuss. We also have some great guests that we've had on recently, and we're going to continue to have more, as today is certainly no exception. Today, I want to do two things. The first thing is that I want to talk about the news that came out pretty much yesterday. I'm recording this on Sunday, January 10th, came out on Saturday, January 9th. Uh, I'm sure for a lot of you Devils fans, you probably know where I'm going with this. And then the second half of this Monday's episode is going to be a one-on-one interview with a hockey TikTok woman she you know she actually reached out to me and asked me if she if she could come on the podcast and i said absolutely we had a tremendous conversation about you know her favorite player the devil's nico we talked about the expectations for the upcoming year we talked about you know what exactly is tiktok for anybody that doesn't know and what she uses to influence the game of hockey through social media so we have a bunch to get to today so without further ado as i always say Let's drop the puck 
So for those of you that probably have been obviously following the Devils since training camp started, we went about five days or so without Corey Crawford being on the ice. And at first we didn't take it as anything too serious. We thought maybe he had tweaked something or, or whatever the case may be. We then found out that he was not practicing because of personal reasons. So it was kind of a situation where we were wondering, uh-oh, did something happen with his family? Did something happen to him personally? You know, it was, it was these things. But the problem was is that we weren't getting any sort of information. The Devils weren't saying anything. You know, people who were covering the Devils, like Amanda Stein, like, you know, a bunch of the other guys, nobody was really giving us any information as to what was really going on. And then you started to hear rumors over the last two or three days about what exactly was going on, you know, and that, you know, the rumors were that, you know, Corey Crawford was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety from the fact that he was no longer with the Chicago Blackhawks and that he was really uncomfortable about, you know, being with a new team in a new place and, and everything like that. And that he was trying to take some time to evaluate whether he wanted to move forward in his career and, you know, with this season with the Devils. And then the Devils announced on Friday that Corey Crawford was taking an indefinite leave of absence from the team. So it was kind of where we started to kind of believe those rumors that were coming out about, you know, what he, exactly he was going through. And then on Saturday, around Saturday afternoon, I think it was around like 1230, there was a report that came out that Corey Crawford was going to announce his retirement which was kind of something that I think some of us speculated that there was a possibility that he could just retire. And it turned out to be the case because the Devils then announced on their social media platforms around, they want to say around like 1245, one o'clock, that Corey Crawford was officially retiring from the National Hockey League. I want to read to you what the Devils said. And then also I want to read you the statement that Corey Crawford made. First of all, it starts that goaltender Corey Crawford, 36, has officially announced his retirement from the National Hockey League following 10 NHL seasons and 488 regular season games. The goaltender signed a two-year contract with the Devils in free agency. It was announced yesterday in a statement by the team that he would be taking an indefinite leave of absence due to personal reasons. And today, he announced his retirement. Now, this is what Corey Crawford had to say as he you know, released a, the following statement. He said, quote, I have been fortunate to have had a long career playing professional hockey for a living. I wanted to continue my career, but believe I've given all I can to the game of hockey, and I have decided that it is time to retire. I would like to thank the New Jersey Devils organization for understanding and supporting my decision. I would like to thank the Chicago Blackhawks organization for giving me the chance to live my childhood dream. I am proud to have been part of winning two Stanley Cups in Chicago. Thank you to all my teammates and coaches throughout the year. Also, thank you to the fans who make this great game what it is. I am happy and excited to move on to the next chapter of my life with my family, end quote. So it was kind of not a shock, but more of a we kind of saw it coming and it was disappointing because you look at the Devils, they decided to buy out and release Corey Schneider from his contract and went out and tried to get a goaltender to be a solid backup to Mackenzie Blackwood. 
and the Devils ended up going with Corey Crawford. Now, that was a pretty big signing when the Devils decided to make it. And a lot of people right away saw from the interviews that he was doing that they could see from his facial reaction that he wasn't exactly 100% into the fact that he was going to a new team. And even when he was talking to the media the you know on media day last week it was kind of the same thing that he just didn't seem like he was really really you know excited 100% to be playing i don't think it has anything to do with that he didn't want to play for the devils i think a lot of it more has to do with that he was shocked and deeply sad that he was no longer with the blackhawks the only place he's ever known and that's really something that's you know understandable and you know dealing with depression and anxiety is not you know, the greatest thing to deal with. You know, I've dealt with my own personal battles with it and I still deal with them from time to time, even now. And I know how difficult that is. I can understand why fans are frustrated. A lot of fans I've spoken to are actually pissed off because they look at it and say, why would you wait this long to make that decision? Um, you kind of quote unquote screwed over the team and, you know, it puts the devil's plans, it throws a wrench in their plans, and they have to now scramble to figure out what they can do. You know, I understand that, guys. I totally get from the hockey standpoint. We do have to also be sympathetic about Corey Crawford making that decision for his own personal reasons. And we have to also just accept that, look, this is just what, you know, the cards we've been dealt. And the devils have really not gotten a whole lot of new good news over the last couple of, you know, days. I mean, there is, you know, obviously the Devils, as most of you already know by now, but I'll announce it here, that the Devils brought back defenseman Sammy Vodden on a one-year deal worth about $2.1 million. So Fitzgerald kind of won that trade because he pretty much got everything in that whole deal because he was able to bring back Sammy Vodden to help strengthen the decor a little bit more. So, And that's great. That's obviously great. We're still waiting on the decision as to what the Devils are going to do with getting Jesper Brett a contract. We know by now that it's pretty much all but likely he will not be with the team when the season starts. Nico Heischer is still day-to-day, and they're still hoping that he'll be ready for the first game of the year, but it's not a guarantee. So obviously the Devils have been dealing with injuries and also with a player deciding to retire about a week before the season actually starts. And again, like I said, I understand why everybody's frustrated. I'm frustrated as well. There is no question about it. So now the next question is simply this. Where do the Devils go from here when it comes to the goaltending situation? Well, I think most likely what's going to happen is that Scott Wedgwood, who obviously we know has been with the Devils before, will most likely be the backup to Mackenzie Blackwood. And because the NHL has required teams to carry three goaltenders for the season, Gilgis Sen is probably going to end up being the third goaltender. Evan Cormier could maybe get an opportunity. I don't know. Uh, you know, you look at that. And then also you wonder, do the Devils try to sign someone in free agency? Ladies and gentlemen, there really is nobody out there that is worth being a backup. I mean, the biggest name that's out there is Jimmy Howard. And Jimmy Howard, I hate saying this, but he really is over the hill. And that's not really it. And somebody mentioned to me, what if the Devils try to go and try to trade for Flurry? Because that was a rumor during the offseason. The Devils really don't have a whole lot of cap space to make that contract work. I mean, granted, you know, Vegas doesn't have a lot of say in the negotiations anyway. So the Devils could probably get him for very little. But I don't think also Vegas at this point wants to give up on Florida. I think they want to have that goaltending tandem of Robin Leonard 
and Marc-Andre Fleury. So I think right now the reality is going to be that Scott Wedgwood will be the backup to Mackenzie Blackwood and that Gilius Sens will be the third string goaltender. So obviously, like I said before, this is a very difficult situation and you feel very frustrated because it's it was something that really nobody could expect before this season started that this was going to happen. So the Devils obviously are going into the season not really on a high note. Now, a lot of you would say that, well, I mean, it, it makes sense anyway. We're projected to be a lottery team, and that very well could still be the case. I still think the Devils are going to be more competitive than people think, but certainly there has been a loss of some talent in the goaltending you know, area because of Corey Crawford deciding to retire. But I will finish by saying that, look, I respect Corey Crawford's decision. I understand it. It would be better for him to play with the Devils where if if he's fully, you know, into it and, you know, mentally, because if he just forced himself to play and he wasn't there 100%, his performance would go down and we would be critical of him without realizing what the problem is. So in a way, he kind of did himself and the Devils a favor by not going through with it and just deciding to retire. On the other hand, it is frustrating because the Devils spent time and money to bring Corey Crawford here and he spent a couple days practicing and I guess just from that he just didn't feel like he could continue so it is a very frustrating situation for the Devils and we'll see how they are able to deal with it I think that they'll just go with the guys that they have right now I know that Scott Wedgwood from what Lindy Ruff has said has played very well in these practices. The Devils actually have their final scrimmage later on tonight at seven o'clock here on Sunday, January 10th, before they actually start practicing really for the upcoming year. And I think probably within the next day or two, we're actually going to see some cuts and start to get down to who actually is going to end up making the team. Because remember, guys, we're very, very close to the first game of the season. January 14th, to be exact, is the first game of the year at home against the Boston Bruins. So we're very, very close. But to kind of, you know, recap this whole thing, it is very frustrating. It is very frustrating. And I understand Devils fans, why you would feel that way. At the end of the day, there isn't really anything we can do about it now. We just have to deal with it and we have to move forward. And whether or not your opinion or your feelings of this team has changed, it doesn't matter. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is very little to no expectations for this team. Anything the Devils do positively is tremendous. All they got to go do is just go out there and be as competitive as possible. And we still have a lot of talent on this team, and we're going to be a much more aggressive offensive team, and I think the defense will improve. And hopefully Scott Wedgwood, Sen, Cormier could, you know, any of those three guys could come in and be a solid backup for Mackenzie Blackwood to give him some time off. But let's just see what happens. It's a 56-game season. It's a season like no other. It's going to be a wild ride nonetheless. Let's just try to enjoy it as best as we can. And at the end of the day, Corey Crawford, thank you for the obviously very little time you were with the New Jersey Devils. I'm sorry that it didn't work out. I'm sorry that you are dealing with the difficulties that you're dealing with, with depression and anxiety. I wish you nothing but the best in your retirement and in your future endeavors. And I hope that you are 100% happy with the decision that you made. And there was no hard feelings towards me as a Devils fan. I do wish you nothing but the best in retirement. So now we're going to shift to something on a little bit more lighter note, as I did mention in the intro that we actually had an interview with another special guest. This episode 
we had the pleasure of welcoming on Samantha Di Meglio, who is a huge hockey fan, a huge New Jersey Devils fan. She's actually the only Devils fan in her family, since the rest of the family is a bunch of Rangers fans, as I learned. And she has a pretty popular TikTok where it's mostly about hockey and the Devils, which is great. And I thought it would be great to have her on to talk about how she uses social media like TikTok to influence hockey and to create friendships and to create some awesome content. Like I mentioned before, we also talked about, you know, some of her favorite players on the Devils and what her expectations for the upcoming year were. We also talked a little bit about Corey Crawford. This was before we actually heard about, you know, him retiring. So obviously this was, you know, we were talking about, you know, whether or not Corey was actually going to play or not. So this is a little bit, we did this interview a couple of days ago, but Nonetheless, it was a pleasure to have her on. She'll tell you everything where, where you can follow her on social media, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful interview with big Devils fan and TikTok influencer, Samantha D. Meglio. All right, Devils fans, we have another guest for you. I know, I'm, I'm really racking up the guests nowadays, you know, especially that the season we're now less than a week away. I mean, by the time you guys are listening to this, which will be on Monday, January, what, January 11th, um, you know, we'll be less than a week away from the start of the NHL season. Uh, the Devils' game, first game is on January 14th against the Boston Bruins. And, you know, I'm just trying to get a, a lot of guests in, kind of get their intake on the season. And like I've mentioned to you Devils fans before, I want this podcast to not just be about getting the most well-known people on here, but to also make it a podcast for the fans, you know, to give them a platform to speak their mind and also to kind of put light on things that people are doing that involve hockey. And one of them is obviously social media. And one social media platform that has certainly gotten big over the last couple of years is TikTok. I do have a friend that is that is on TikTok that uh, does a bunch of hockey videos. And I know most of the NHL teams, including the Devils, are on TikTok. Me personally, not a big TikTok guy, but I will, you know, I will certainly still go on there and find some great videos. And this this young lady actually reached out to me, which I am very, I'm very flattered by, no question about it. And she asked to uh, to come on. And I said, absolutely. So we have on today a big, you know, a very popular person on TikTok and somebody who is a big Devils fan and in particular a big Nico Kishier fan. And that is none other than Samantha DiMeglio. Samantha, welcome to the Devils State of Mind podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. That's great to hear. I'm doing great. Can't that's awesome. And again, thank you for coming on today. We're, we're really, uh, we're really excited to have you on. And, you know, I have a lot of questions to ask you. So let's kind of just jump right into it with the first question straight up is this, what got you like, when did you start becoming a fan of hockey, uh, a fan of the devils and, and, and why it's such an important part of your life? So I, this is going to sound super weird. I was basically brought up to hockey at a young age. Um, my parents are huge hockey people. Um, my dad actually played hockey for a year of his life. So like he loves the sport. 
Um, they're actually Rangers fans. Ooh. I know a lot of people would be like, oh my God, Devils fan, Rangers fans. Ooh. But no, I was raised to be kind of like a Rangers fan and I was kind of the disappointment <laughs> of the group, as you say. Um, but um, I was basically brought up by hockey at a very, like, I would say I remember, like, I can't remember my life not surrounding by hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, when I became a Devils fan, I became a Devils fan in 2010 because every little girl has like their hockey crush and my hockey crush was Zach Parise. Wow. Um, And my brother was a really big Zach Parise fan when he was on the Devils. Mm -hmm. So um, I pretty much liked the Devils pretty much since 2011. And then I kind of would go back to the Rangers because people would be like, the Devils are so bad. I would like switch the teams a little bit. Um, but that, that's basically it. Like I was brought up at a very young age. My, I remember my dad telling me like he would have my, I have a twin brother and he would hold both of us while watching the Rangers. Like it would be so funny. Um, but yeah, like I was basically just brought up. Like I was like born, like saying like, you're, you're going to like hockey and that's it. Like, it's pretty much like that, but. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, it, it's interesting. And, and I'll kind of tell you guys my kind of background as to how I got into hockey. You know, for me, um, you know, I have a relative that played in the National Football League for over a decade. So it would have made sense if, you know, football was my number one sport. But I remember being, you know, about eight or nine years old and watching games on t- watching hockey games on TV and and being so infatuated with how great the sport is, how exciting it is to watch. And, you know, once I found out that the Devils were the local team, it just made logical sense for me to, you know, become a fan of them. And, you know, uh, for me, I didn't necessarily have a hockey crush. I had more of an idol, as I would say, you know, Mark Tamperer has always been my idol from day one. And, you know, he was the reason I got into watching hockey and why I actually played it. I, I played in high school as a goaltender. Um, so that was kind of my experience with playing hockey. And, you know, I've become more and more, you know, into the devils. Uh, and as a result, I now uh, am a host of a podcast that covers the devils on a, on a podcast network, which is, uh, which is something I never thought I'd actually have the chance to do, but here I am, but nothing, but enough about me, because this isn't about me today. This is about you, Samantha. So my next question is this, From a lot of the TikToks that I've seen, and I had the chance to watch a bunch before we actually got a chance to speak, um, there's a lot of Nico Heeshier TikToks. Now, I just had on uh, my good friend Virginie from Switzerland. She actually lives not too far away from Nico Heeshier's hometown. And if you haven't seen that episode yet, please go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, It's not really a surprise that Nico Heeshier, particularly with the females has become a very popular player. I know a lot of women that really, really like him in many different ways. My question to you, Samantha, because I'm always kind of curious about these things is what, what got you to really like Nico so much? And, you know, do you have any favorite moments or, or memories of, of him so far in his time in New Jersey? Well, how I started to like Nico, it's actually kind of funny because I was homesick with the flu during his draft year Okay. Um, in 2017. Mm. And my dad was like watching me 
because uh, he was like a he was afraid to leave me home because obviously with the flu it's not right, common. Right. Of course. Um, and he left ESPN on while I was sleeping, and it was like you. It was like when they would used to play. I don't know if they still do this, but they played like a couple of like the junior games, like the QM QMJHL games, yep. like like review from those games. Mm-hmm. It was from. I remember the day. It was March 10th, 2017. Hey. It was the day before they played against St. John's. Okay. And um, they interviewed him. And I was like, wow, like, this kid's really good. Like, he's there's something about him that's, like, never seen before. And I know, like, a lot of people say that, like, especially in his draft year. But And then he took off, his, like, his bucket. I'm like, Wow. He's good looking. Like he's like good looking and he's good at hockey. Can't compete with that. Um, and also like he and I both have the same favorite player. I love Pavel Datsyuk. Mm. I love him. Like I love how he plays. Um, and I know people will be like, you just say that. Like, no, like I love Pavel Datsyuk. I love how he's just not only like an offensive player, but he's also a defensive player. You don't really find that in – there's certain forwards you see yeah, that you are don't like get a that. Whole lot and that's of, what I liked you know, about you. Guys. That's what I liked about Yeah, you don't get a lot of two-way yeah. you know, type of players. I, I, I've said before that, you know, it's it's easy. Uh, to me, it's easy as a forward to be an offensive type of guy because that's primarily your job. It's another to also be able to work on your craft on the defensive side, to become a two-way type of player, you know. There's a guy in the NHL right now, Patrice Bergeron, who just got named captain of the Boston Bruins. That is the, you know, is the definition of a two-way forward. This guy has won the Selkie Trophy several times because of just what he's able to do on both sides of the rink. And I think that when you look at Nico and then also you look at Pavel Datsuk, it's kind of the same thing. Is it ironic that they both wear the same number? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that's much of a coincidence. Uh, I think that's more of just for obvious reasons, like you said. Um, but I, I could see a lot of Datsuk in Nico. Um, Nico's a little bit bigger than Pavel Datsuk is, um, but Datsuk might be a little bit more uh, yeah, talented yeah. than Nico Gishir, just maybe a little bit. I mean, he is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point when he, whenever he decides to stop playing hockey, because he clearly does not want to stop playing hockey. Um, but no, I mean, that, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. I actually didn't even know that Nico's favorite player was uh, Pavel Datsuk. I actually, that's actually a fun fact that I did not know. Well, he said that in like an interview because like my brother also is really big at hockey. So like, he'd be like, oh, Nico liked Pavel, Nico liked Pavel Datsuk. And that was the year when it was like Nico or Nolan and they didn't really right. know who was going number one. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of funny how he and I both have the same player. So it just, it's funny how that turned out. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's sometimes how it goes. And, you know, you know, I remember, I still remember vividly, like, you know, that 2017 draft, like, first of all, you know, obviously the Devils had never had the number one overall pick. And I remember how excited I was when it was announced that the Devils won the lottery. And I was like, great. And I got excited for about 10 minutes. And then I stopped myself and I said, wait a minute who is the projected number one overall player? Cause I don't even know. And we were in the position where it wasn't a bona fide, you know, guaranteed number one overall player. We, there was no, there was no Connor McDavid. There was no Austin Matthews. There was, there was no Alexis Lafreniere. It was kind of a situation where it was like, 
It could be Nolan Patrick. It could be Nico Hishier. And, you know, reading back and forth, it was, it was so tough because I looked at Nolan Patrick and he was more of what you consider to be a goal scorer. And that got me excited because I'm like, yeah, we kind of lack that in multiple ways. We kind of need that help. But then once I heard, and this is, this is how vivid I remember, Bob McKenzie from TSN was doing a you know report. And you know, he was evaluating Nico Hishier. And they asked him, he said, what type of player do you see Nico, like his game being modeled after? He goes, I see Nico modeling his game after Pavel Datsuk. The minute that I heard that, I was like, yep. They better draft Nico because if that's what if that's what he's going to try to end up becoming, I'm totally cool with him being the next Pavel Datsuk. And that's why, you know, when the Devils drafted him, I was super excited. And what I loved more than anything else was how well Devils fans embraced this kid right from the beginning, from everything that he did, whether it was meeting fans at the Prudential Center or going to different sporting events in the New York, New Jersey area and getting to know people having a sandwich named after him at Hobby's Deli, whatever it was, everyone just embraced him. And I think that was the thing that really kind of told me right away that this kid was going to be special. Mm-hmm. And also like, you don't find people like him. Like a lot of people are like, oh, he's like one of the nicest players you'll ever meet. Right. And like, I've seen a lot of videos of like, they're like, oh, he, like if you have like a thousand things to sign for him, he will do it with a smile on his face. Like he he just seems like that kind of player. And also like that's someone, and I don't mean to sound like weird at all, like that's someone I would like to be around. Right. No, I understand. Like, I understand. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm meeting a player, like if I like if I end up being friends with him, that sounds super weird, but like <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. It seems like a guy be like, hey, like, that's, that's just him. Yeah. I mean, look, we all we all would like to be best friends with a, with an NHL or professional athlete. I don't think there's any question. Um, I would love to be best friends with Martin Brodeur. I mean, that would be the highlight of my entire life. But, you know, yeah, I mean, what, what's also in what also I think a lot of people have come to understand, especially the older Devils fan, is that. The reason why guys like Nico and even Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt and other guys like that that are in that age group, because we're now into that area where there's a lot newer Devils fans coming into the fold, we're having a lot of younger Devils fans, people that are in their you know early to late teens. Uh, you know, I'm 23 years old, and a lot of us don't have any of those memories from the Devils winning Stanley Cups in the late 90s, early 2000s. A lot of us don't have that many memories of guys like Martin Brodeur and even Zach Parise to a lesser extent, that era of Devils hockey. Now that we have these young core of players, like I mentioned, Nico, Jack Hughes, Brett, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, Ty Smith, all these young kids. I feel like a lot of fans, and you can certainly answer this for yourself, that a lot of Devils fans can can relate to these guys because they're relatively the same age or a little bit older. And they can kind of see like, well, if, you know, I, you know, he's dealing with the same stuff that some of the same stuff that I'm dealing with. It's just that he makes way more money than I probably ever will make in my entire life, depending on what I decide to do. But I, I, I don't know. What would be your opinion? Could you kind of relate to that? Could you kind of see where I was where I'm going with that? I can see where you're going with that because like Jack Hughes and I are literally five months apart and like, I, I get it. 
you're at that age where like, you're like, oh, like I could be richer than everybody else, but like, I don't want to show that kind of side. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't want to be the same people that they were growing up. And that's what I love about these young players. Like they just, they don't, they care. Of course they care about the money. I mean, like who wouldn't care about the money, right. but like they still want to be the same people that they were growing up. They don't want to change. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about them. And, you know, and a lot of people be like, oh, you're obsessed with Nico. Who isn't? Who <laughs> isn't? Um, but, you know, at like these players, they're, you know, 19, 20, Nico's 22, just turned 22. Yep. Um, they want to, they realize they want to be the same people that they were growing up and they don't want to change. They want to have the same friends. They want to have the same lifestyle. Like, of course, like things will be different, mm-hmm. but like maintaining that lifestyle that they've had since they were little. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, you know, I remember PK Subban and also San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane had made this comment or made similar comments a couple months ago about how they felt that the National Hockey League needs to do a better job of promoting itself. And I've brought this up numerous times, that they have to find better ways to promote the game, promote the players that are, are playing in the league, and go from there. And things like, like we're going to talk about, you know, TikTok and social media in general, and also with now younger players with that type of personality coming into the league, I think this is all beneficial. Now, Nico's a little bit quiet he's not a little bit he is very quiet he's not a very big boisterous type person but he will go out there and do what he has to do um you know brett's kind of the same way jack hughes on the other hand i've said you know what once he really gets going in the nhl and he really gets comfortable playing in the league that personality that he has shown over the past couple of years really kind of it'll start to become more obvious the type of, you know, boisterous person that he is. And you could see how he interacts with guys like PK Subban and other guys on the team that are a little bit more of the veteran presence and have a little bit more of a bigger personality, so to speak. So I think that with all of that being said, I think that a guy like Nico, a guy like Jack, a guy like Mackenzie Blackwood, they realize that they don't have to be the typical hockey player. They can still be themselves. They can still be young and they could still also make thousands of dollars playing in a professional sport. And I think that that's kind of the new trend that we're seeing where players now understand that they don't have to be this, you know, suit and tie, tor- you know, sort of um, personality. They can let loose a little bit. They can really be themselves because a lot more fans are relating to them because I think that's what fans in general want, want to look at when they have a favorite player. They want to be like them because they relate to them. They get where they're coming from. It's kind of that same ordeal. And I think with younger fans, they can relate to these young players on the Devils and young players in the National Hockey League and say, I like them because they're not afraid to be themselves, which I think is a very, very important aspect to helping grow the game. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, so let's kind of, you know, we were just, you know, I just mentioned TikTok. So we'll kind of, you know, we'll, we'll jump into that. Here's my first question to you about the, the TikTok uh, realm. Actually, let's, let's simplify this a little bit. Cause my, maybe not everybody who's listening to this knows what the hell TikTok is actually. So I guess 
because you're more experienced in it than I am. Could you explain to myself and the folks at home like the main aspects of what TikTok really is? Yeah. Yeah, so TikTok basically is an app like Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. It's a social media platform app where, you know, anyone of any age can make any type of videos or content that they want. Um, a lot of people make dance videos. A lot of people make uh, comedy videos. But a lot of people sometimes, especially on my what's called your for you page, where like you see other creators that you don't follow, but you kind of like get inspiration from mm -hmm. you, you can see like a lot of you can see cooking videos, you can see puppy videos, you could see anything on your for you page. And a lot of it for me is hockey, because I do make a lot of that type of content. I do a lot of other stuff too. Like I'm still, you know, a teenage girl, you know, that, you know, makes, you know, what makes them happy honestly yeah, I got it I got it. Um, I, I, I was I was a teenager at one point I know what you're talking about <laughs> um but like honestly like you can be yourself and you don't have to care what other people think because um I'll like I'll go back on like why like I now use it I started using it in my senior year of high school and I just didn't care what others th thought about me because I'm like, I don't care. It makes me happy and it makes a lot of people happy. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. And I think that was a good explanation of it. Um, you know, again, I am considered to be still very young because I'm, I'm 23 years of age. So I, you know, I didn't, you know, I'm not one of the people that was in high school when, you know, when I was in high school and I feel like I'm sounding like I'm 50 years old when I'm talking, but when I was in high school, the big thing that was coming out um, originally was everybody had a Facebook. I still remember like that was the big social media that everybody wanted to use and everything. And as I got through high school, things started to develop Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, and the one that I kind of associate with TikTok that I feel like was similar and I could be wrong was Vine when Vine was still a thing because it's kind of the same thing from what yeah, Vine. I watched. Yeah. Vine. Vine has like six second videos, but like TikTok has more like 15 or second, uh, 60 second videos. There's the difference with that. It's TikTok is basically the new version of what's music, what people might know as musically. musically. Yep. It was musically back in 2015. Um, but I, I don't remember how many years ago it changed. I think it was 2018 when they changed it to TikTok. I don't remember. I'm not really good with like dates and stuff, just like certain things I'll remember, but like. Well, no, I mean, you did remember but, you know, when you first heard about Nico, so you did have that date in your mind. Well, that, that's, that's different. That's more well, like hockey. No, I and get Like, that. you know, every age girl, because you, obviously I had the flu, so I right. remember when I had the flu, so. Of course. Of course. Yeah, but. <laughs> no, it's. That, that's, I think that's, it's just different because it. it I got you. I got you. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, like I said, I, I do have a TikTok. I've never posted anything. I kind of got it because, you know, I kind of fell into what is called peer pressure. And I just wanted to get it to kind of see what it was all about. And <laughs> primarily I go on there for sheer um, for sheer memes. Um, I look for for stuff that's going to make me laugh 
hysterically. But I will also come across a lot of really good uh, TikTok and just, just creators in general. Like there's a lot of people on TikTok that use it to show their creative gifts and what they can do. And it's another way to, you know, spread out their platform of whatever they're trying to do. And I think that that's, that's an important thing. I think it's great that there's so many people out there like yourself that really get to express themselves for who they are and express what they like and what they really enjoy, which I think is important. And, and, that, and that's really great. Um, my question to you, my, my next question is, when it comes to you know, deciding that you wanna make a certain TikTok about hockey, what kind of goes into the planning? Is there a long planning process? Is it kind of like this, you know, quick, like it happens in your mind and you just go and do it? Or, you know, like how does that process usually go for you? So, so I usually, depending on what type of video it is, like, Sometimes I'll have like ideas where I'm like, oh, like this is a really good idea. Or sometimes that's, you know, I'll be like, no, that's like a really bad idea. But like, you got to think of like what the people want. Mm. And it's like, are they going to be like, oh, she doesn't know anything or like, which is usually the stuff I get. Usually people are like, oh, you don't know anything or things like that. But like, you don't want to make you seem like, say, nah. you don't want to make yourself seem like you don't know it. So I have this hockey TikTok group chat where it's like different kids from like, you know, there's kids from Canada, there's kids from the States, there's, and we all like different teams, but we all make the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what like we bond over. And sometimes I'll be like, Hey guys, like I have an idea. I don't think, I don't know if it's really good. Like I'll ask for their input. And usually they'll be like, good, you do it. You do, you do whatever you want to do. But like, and it like, like they're my friends. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. So like mm -hmm. I consider them my friends and we talk pretty much every day around the clock. And, you know, I'm not only the, the only devil's fan in the group, which is kind of nice. Uh, there's another devil's fan in the group. I don't right. know if you see her on TikTok. Her name's Shreya. She does a lot. She gets a lot more views than me. She's amazing at TikTok. Her and I are like the same person because we come up with the same content. Um, usually she beats me to it though, but um, we usually plan together because, you know, we're both Devils fans. Right. And um, I, I, I check with her and be like, hey, did you make this content about this player or this player? But um, yeah, I would also follow Shreya, by the way. Fair enough, and we'll, 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 give, we'll give you the opportunity, like I do with all my guests, a chance to kind of like... That's awesome. And I, think, I think it's wonderful that... No, it's all good. I think it's wonderful that, you know, you have a, a group chat and you have a way to kind of, you know, tell people up front, hey, what do you think of this idea? What do you think of that? You know, different things like that and kind of get you know, an opinion and it kind of gives you that confidence as to whether or not to do something. And I think that's, that's really, that's really, um, that's really important. Uh, let's kind of shift from TikTok and let's talk about the devils. Let, like we got it, we got it, you know, this is the devil state of my podcast after all, the best place <laughs> to get the most up-to-date news yeah. about the New Jersey devils, as I say, every episode. And yeah. if you haven't been watching my episodes, you probably don't know <laughs> that I say that every single episode, but I digress. Let's talk about the Devils. Um, for those, you know, again, 
people are going to be listening as, as early as this upcoming Monday. So there's some news that has already happened that will be several days old by the time it gets to, you know, for people to listen. The first bit of news is obviously the sad news about Corey Crawford. Uh, the Devils announced earlier today that he would be taking, I guess what they call a leave of absence from the team. Um, I don't know where exactly he went or how long he's going to be gone from the team, but there were a lot of rumors swirling over the last couple of days because it was about five days since the last time he actually was reported to be on the ice and with the team. Um, but the reports that came out that he was suffering from anxiety and depression from the fact that he had been let go by the Chicago Blackhawks and that he was with a completely new team in a place he had never been before. Um, you know, I never was upset like some other Devils fans that he wasn't on the ice. I was more concerned. The first, you know, my first reaction was it must be an injury. Uh, the second then when I told it was an injury, it was like, okay, something is up here. Like he said, personal. I said, I hope it's not COVID again, because I do know he did get COVID right before I think they started practicing before they went to the bubble. So I was hoping that it wasn't that. But then once you started to hear the rumors, you kind of were hoping that he was just doing okay. And then obviously the news came out today during practice that Corey Crawford was going to be taking a leave of absence. My, my question to you, Sam, is, is what was your whole reaction to that news? And, and what are your feelings towards Corey Crawford and the Devils making that decision? That's a lot. Um, I mean, at, at first I was a little nervous when it came to Corey because, you know, he just seemed so excited to come to Jersey, even though like he did spend so many years in Chicago. You know, it's it's understandable because he did play there for so many years and he may not be that type of person that's like okay with change. And that's okay. Like people, I'm not okay with change. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be stuck in a new new state and not know anything about it. Right. I, you know, of course I would, you know, adjust it to it, but you know, it would take a little while. And that's what I think what happened with Corey is just like it's it's hard, but to people take it in different ways. Mm -hmm. People may take it as like, Oh, like I get to meet new teammates. I get to, you know, show different coaches and different coaching staffs on like what I can do. And I feel like with him, it's just more like, I like, he just needs to adjust yeah. and, you know, like you can't just randomly throw someone in a new state with new people that they don't know. And especially right now with the pandemic going on. Of course. Um, there's a lot of things that can go through your head, especially with that, especially now that we're in our pandemic and, you know, it's so close to the season. And I think honestly, you know, it's a lot on your mind. It's a lot on your mental health and it just, you know, it's, it's different going from a team that was really, really good to really, really bad. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that the, the devils are bad. It's just, you know, the past couple of years hasn't been their year, but it's, it's okay. It's going to, it's going to get better. But, um, but when you're coming from like a team like Chicago, where they had a lot of, you know, different experiences in the playoffs and a lot of different experiences in the cup, like 
it's hard. Yeah. And they, you know, I bet you Corey has built relationships with the coaching staff and it was probably hard for them to let him go too. So what I'm trying to get out of this very long statement is that he may have not been ready. He may not have been ready to go straight into um, training camp. It might've taken him a little longer, which is, which is okay. That that's normal. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, we have to remember this. It came as a shock to a lot of Blackhawks fans that Corey Crawford was released. Um, I even remember Jonathan Tace and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith, you know, the guys that have been there for, for a long time and have been with Corey for a long time. were not happy with that decision. Um, the Blackhawks made it clear that they were trying to move into a different direction. They were basically saying without saying that they were going to move into a rebuild. I mean, that's, that's just basically what they were trying to say. And I think Corey was so stunned by that, that even now he still has not been able to fully comprehend that it happened, that he's kind of like in the situation of, you know, what am I doing here? Why am I here? And look, Devils fans, understand it's not that Corey doesn't want to be in New Jersey. It doesn't, it, this has nothing to do with him not wanting to play with the Devils. It has to do more with the fact that he's just, this is a first time experience for him and not everybody handles it so well. Not everybody handles it, you know, tremendous. I'll use, let me use a really weird example. Uh, I live in the New York metropolitan area and I am not a Mets fan, but I'll, I'll use this example because it's, Fairly recent, about five years, but still fairly recent. Wilmer Flores, who used to play for the New York Mets, he was a shortstop for the Mets. Um, During a game against the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, there had been rumors going around and reports that he had just been traded to the Milwaukee, to the, to, um, yeah, actually was to the Brewers, but uh, they were actually playing the Padres, now I remember, but he was, it was reported he was being traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. And he kept hearing it from the crowd, you know, people saying stuff to him like, you know, thank you, Wilmer, everything. All of a sudden, SMY is panning to him on, on the on the infield, and he's actually crying while the game is still going on because he was like, this is the only place I've ever known. Uh, I'm scared. I'm terrified to go anywhere else. And, you know, it was a really... It was a really heartwarming and very sad moment to see. Now, what ended up happening afterwards was kind of weird. The deal fell through. He never got traded. And as they say, the rest is history. But I bring that example up because Corey is kind of in the same situation where now he has to leave a place he's known for over a decade. And now he's coming to a completely new environment, a completely new team. Everything is new to him. Nothing that he's experiencing is the same. He did talk about how he was happy and honored that the Devils wanted him and that Martin Brodeur personally called him and said, we want you on this team. I think Corey needs, I think he feels in his mind that he needs more time to process everything before he he continues to play. Now, whether that means he ends up deciding that he's going to retire, which we had heard rumors about that as well, you know, you know that's besides the point. The bottom line, is simply this. Corey, we all have to be sympathetic because right now we're still in a pandemic. In case it wasn't obvious to everybody listening, we are still in a pandemic. And a lot of these guys, they're not even going get, to get a chance to see their family or friends for a long time because of the fact that they're going to be playing and they're going to be very strict with their guidelines. 
And Corey doesn't really have any family or friends that are nearby that he can kind of see and spend time with to get through this difficult time. So everybody handles it differently. It's a sad situation for Corey Crawford. But at the end of the day, I do really wish the best for him. I hope that he can make a, you know, I hope that he can feel happy with whatever decision he decides to make, whether it's to keep playing and try to play with the Devils or to retire or go do something else. That's, that's cool with me. It's totally cool either way. The Devils have been kind of ready for this. Uh, they're playing for it. They had talked about guys like, you know, Scott Wedgwood and, you know, Gilly, uh, Gillis Sen and also Evan Cormier. You know, they have some guys that can they can plug in. It's disappointing from the playing standpoint, but at the end of the day, people's mental health is the most important thing, no matter what. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my, I guess, I don't, I don't even want to say it's a rant, but it's kind of more of just my, my TED talk. That was my TED talk for all you guys out there. But let's, let's kind of shift to a little bit more of some positive, some positive news, because I think we all need some positivity in, in this day and age. You know, there's a couple of guys on this team that have really been playing well over the last couple of days. One guy in particular that I have mentioned on this podcast about five times, and I think everybody's getting tired of me talking about him but I don't care because he's doing really well. And that's um, Igor Sharangovich, who, you know, was playing in the KHL and, you know, he's been, you know, he was invited to training camp and he's gotten a couple goals in some of the scrimmages, including another one today, you know, with the Devils. And it looks like that now he's got a really good chance of making this team. Uh, Samantha, what, what are your thoughts on Igor's performance so far uh, in training camp? I think it's really good. And I'm not just saying that because he scored really like scored a lot. Um, I think he's looking great. I think he's looking confident. And I think, you know, he really wants to make the team, you know, obviously some people, you know, don't make the cut and they get sent down to Bennington, but I really think he's trying hard. And he took, you know, these last couple months when we were, you know, stuck and stuck at home. And, and he kind of like took that initiative and be like, I want to make the team. I want to be in the pros and this is what I have to do. And he's been doing really, really well um, personally. Yeah. And he certainly, you know, he was tearing it up in the Continental Hockey League, the KHL being over in Russia. He was really tearing it up and he was the talk of many Devils fans. And, you know, it's not that much of a surprise that now he's also having success right away in training camp. I think at this point, I would be shocked beyond belief if he didn't make the team. Um, you know, there's a couple other things that have gone on, and, and you had mentioned Binghamton. Well, the Devil, Devils minor league team, the Binghamton Devils, are not going to be the Binghamton Devils this year. They are going to be, and I was talking about this with a couple other Devils podcast people, we've kind of come up with that they're going to be called the Newark Devils, as the Binghamton Devils announced that they are going to be playing their upcoming season in Newark, uh, in their practice arena, probably also some games on the NHL ice when the New Jersey Devils are not at home. I don't know if that's the, the plan, but I think, and, and obviously, you know, I'll, I'll get your opinion after I, I make mine. I think this is really beneficial for a lot of the young players that are going to be playing in the minors because their general manager, Tom Fitzgerald, will get a now, you know, he'll be able to just go across the arena to the practice ice and watch these guys play and get a much more up close and personal evaluation of these players and how they're performing and where they're going to be in the next year or two and everything, you know, 
So, you know, my question to you, Samantha, is that, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the Binghamton Devils deciding that they're going to play the season in, in New Jersey, in Newark? And, you know, what do you think are the beneficial factors of them playing there? I think it's super beneficial because obviously playing in Bennington, Bennington, Bennington is like four hours away. And in case like people do want to get called up for a night, you know, game that night, it's not easy to go, you know, from Bennington, staying in Bennington and then going straight to Newark. It's like a four and a half hour drive. You don't know you're going to make it there in time for the game. And also you're not, you don't have time to practice with the team. Right. So I think it's super beneficial to play in Newark and it's better for Fitzy because Fitzy gets to see like these players develop in Newark Mm -hmm. instead of watching them on a video camera in Bennington. You know what I'm saying? Like him going to the practices for the Benning for Bennington and then people, I'm just so used to saying Bennington. I'm sorry. No, but, it's okay. um, I, I was going to, I was noticing like that he can, Benning, Bennington a lot. <laughs> it's all good. I'm just used to saying Bennington. Um, it's all good. It's easier for him because it, he can go like, go straight from the, you know, the devil's practice, the pros practice to the AHL practice. Right. Am I making any sense? No, you're making perfect sense. I, I get, I'm getting exactly what you're saying. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like we had, we, we both agree on the fact that, you know, with Binghamton playing their games in Newark this year, you know, if any player needs to be called up, just walk across the locker room and they're right there. Um, also, Fitzgerald can spend a lot of time evaluating these players for the long term and say, okay, what guys do do I see performing well? What guys do I not see performing well? What do we need to do to make changes? I have to look at the the I have to look at you know our pro team and see what we're lacking, what we need, and things like that. And I think that's important. And you know, in this training camp, not only do you have you know Lindy Ruff coaching the team, you also have Mark Dennehy, the head coach of Binghamton coaching players as well. So a lot of these players are getting an opportunity to be coached by both both guys and understands what at the end of the day, the game plan really is. And I think that's really, really important. And there were a lot of players who are in training camp right now that were on the Binghamton Devils last year when they made that miraculous comeback run winning, I think it was something like nine or 10 in a row at one point, the hottest team in the second half of the American Hockey League season before it was shut down. They would have no doubt made the playoffs had the season continued. But I think that they all came into that, come into this training camp with a lot of confidence. And I think a lot of the the players that we have such high hopes for, Ty Smith, you know, Kevin Ball, you know, Mikhail Moltsev, Igor Sharangovich, guys that were on the team last year, we're starting to see them perform even more. And it makes us excited because they're performing well in training camp and giving some of these veteran players a run for their money when it comes to spots, especially on the bottom six and also in the defensive core. So I think that's really, really important and it's really, really exciting. My last question to you, Samantha, is this, and again, thank you so much for doing this. This has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. My my question to you, the big question that I ask all people is simply this. What is your honest, forget about being a fan, what is your honest opinion of where you see the New Jersey Devils finishing this season in a 56 game shortened year? I really don't know. It depends on how 
how they play. And I'm going to be honest with that. I don't want to say that they're going to be last because they could have a really good season this year and they could, you know, beat other teams that like, or, you know, people be like, oh, like, let's just say Boston because that's our first game in exactly a week. Like, people could be like, oh, you're going to lose against Boston. Well, last year, we beat Boston, I think, like, twice. Twice, yep. So, I think it was twice we won against Boston. And even the Islanders, we've beaten the Islanders twice. We've beaten the Rangers twice. We've beaten all these teams, like, maybe once or twice. So, I'm not going to say, oh, they're going straight to the bottom. No. Because they're working. Mm -hmm. When Nico comes back, which... I'm hoping that he comes back soon because I'm I don't like him when he's hurt because I get ner I get nervous Nobody does. with him. Nobody likes I get him. nervous with him. Right. Um uh even and also with Jack, you know, you know, they say it's Nico and Jack's team. When they see a future with them, they have to be in. So we want them back right. Uh, right. so we could obviously be very good. Right. That's that's a fair assessment. Um, I still remember Tom Fitzgerald saying, when this team is really good, Jack and Nico are going to be at the top of their game. That's really what he said. And he made it really obvious that Jack Hughes and Nico Heeshear, this is their team now. You know, Taylor Hall is not here any, anymore, ladies and gentlemen. He's in the same division as us, which is absolutely wonderful but this is not his team anymore. This is Nico and Jack's team for the future. Uh, you know, we have Nico, he's your signed an extension last year. So he's going to be here for a while. Jack Hughes, hopefully, you know, his second year is better than his first. He's gained about 15 pounds of muscle, which clearly shows that he is ready to go. He wants to prove a lot of people wrong. The thing about the veterans on this team, and I say veterans, even including Jack, because this is now his second year in the NHL. They have something to prove because oh, there was a lot of hype last season, if we all remember. First game of the year. I was there. I was at ice level. I watched it up 4 nothing against Winnipeg, and we all know what happened after that. There was a lot of hype, and, it, and whatever could go wrong went wrong. So going into this season, it's not about being cautiously optimistic. It's about, look, we are trying to develop the young core of this team. And we're playing in the division of death, as I call it, the toughest division of any division in the National Hockey League for this season. And I hope this is not, a, I hope this is just a one-year thing and we never do this crap ever again. Um, hopefully we never deal with another pandemic ever again in any of our lifetimes. But again, this is going to be a beneficial, this is going to be a beneficial year for these kids because they're going to learn to play competitive hockey against some of the best teams. Some of these teams have won Stanley Cups just recently. And they are, and every single team except Buffalo made the postseason last year, even in the 2014 bubble. So this is going to be tough. And they have matchups. I mean, I always point out the four games in mid-April, four in a row against the New York Rangers. That's going to be a really, really interesting time when we play them that many games in a row and we're taking on Boston to start and these kids and these, and this veteran core that has a chance to prove themselves this year is about, you know, proving a lot of doubters wrong, being competitive. 
every single person I work with at the Hockey Podcast Network has pretty much said and has shown it on Twitter that they believe the Devils will finish in dead last. I don't personally believe that. I believe that the Devils will be better than people say they are. I think they have the talent to be ultra competitive. And I think that's the way you got to look at it. And you also just got to understand, look at the team mantra this year. It's called enjoy the ride. Let's just have fun, people. It's 56 games. It's a sprint. We got nothing to lose. There's no expectation anyway. If we do anything good, that's that's great. You know, let's just try to enjoy ourselves. Enjoy the fact that for the first time in nearly a year, we have Devils hockey back and that we have all this young talent that at some point is going to blossom. Oh, and we have guys coming in the farm system and in, you know, overseas that are also going to be really good. Alexander Holtz, Shakir Mahakamadoulin. You have, you know, we, we brought back Sammy Votnin for a year. We still have to get Brad's contract situated, but that will be in, in due time. But we have all these young players. We have, you know, talent, every single position. We can do this, but let's just try to enjoy ourselves this year. Don't worry about the wins and losses. Worry about seeing this team being competitive and just taking that step. Because I think if we look at it that way, this is going to be a very, very interesting and probably enjoyable season to an extent. Yeah. So that that's pretty that's pretty much it. But but again, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on. But before I let you go, as I do with all of my hosts, I like to give you the platform to basically tell the folks where they can find you on social media at any, you know, any cool things that you're doing right now. And if you have anything else to promote, please go ahead. So the floor is yours. So you can follow me on Instagram at Samantha Demeglio. That's D-I-M-E-G-L-I-O. Um, my TikTok is Samantha Demeglio with an extra O at the end. And my Twitter is Samantha, it's Sam underscore Demeglio. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Well, that's awesome, Samantha. First of all, thank you once again for reaching out to me. I, I do greatly appreciate it. And thank you for coming on and, and doing this today. This was wonderful. You were an absolute pleasure to, to uh, speak to today. And, you know, we'll definitely have you on again. And we look forward to seeing more TikToks and more things about hockey and the devils in the near future. But again, thank you so very much. Thank you. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, where, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. 
Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, hockey, P-O-D, pod, N-E-T, net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone, one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books, are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of $19.69. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day. You know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!